0: Morena, no mai kiti korero, welcome to the catch-up on Manawatu People's Radio. Tereo reo Ona o na tangata o Manawatu. It is a Monday morning, the 14th of March uh, 2022, thumping along at quite the pace, but there is a lot to keep us occupied uh, in the news. Um, but keeping it a little more local, hopefully, for the next half hour, we have Wendy Carr, uh, the Manager of Fielding and District Promotion. Good morning to you. Good morning. Um, yeah. So the, the one of the, the the big news things that happened last week was the government uh, looking to reduce the days you need to be in isolation if you become a positive Mm. case of COVID from 10 days to seven Uh, and citing the reasons for this is because it will lessen the impact the the detrimental impact on our economy obviously uh, people being out of the workforce for a lesser amount of time um Mm. does three days really make make much of a difference and will it make much for a difference for our more rural businesses that 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 you tend to represent
1: Mm. Um, I think it will make some difference. Obviously, the, the less amount of time away from work, the better. Um, and from the anecdotal evidence that I've um, um, seen from people that I know that have had COVID in the last few weeks, is that sometimes you get knocked around for about two or three days, but by day four, you're fine. So um, so 10 days did seem overkill. And looking at the rest of the world, there's um, varying degrees of um, isolation time that different um, c- countries have suggested. Some are uh, as um, few as three. Most tend to be around the five-day mark. That seems to be the sort of consensus. So we're moving there. Um, I still think the impact of seven days is is interesting. One thing that was um, quite interesting that I don't know if we talked about last time, I cannot remember, but um, there was a lot of confusion about if you are a household contact and mum has COVID and then three days later dad catches COVID or... Jimmy or Sally or whoever, then um, their seven or now seven days starts again, but the rest of the household doesn't. So they still stay on that original cases seven oh. days countdown until they catch it. So um, there was a huge amount of confusion around that. And it, 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 a lot of people were saying, well, I could end up staying at home for 20, 30, 40, 60 days if we have a big family, but that's not necessarily the case. Okay. So um, that still hasn't really been communicated very well. Um, and seven days is still a long time, and it is definitely impacting businesses. So, um, I went to go and get some takeaways the other night, and um, the the shop that is normally open that I go to from 11 till 9pm is now closing in the afternoon because I just don't have enough staff because of COVID. So, um, that's sort of the the rolling impact. And those really small businesses that are a one or a two trader, um, if if you're both out, well then that's
0: yeah, it's, it's pretty disastrous. Right? Yeah, no, I mean, it, it, and and that's the thing. And and there are arguably more businesses like that in Fielding than perhaps in Palmerston North. Uh, yeah, a yeah. lot of the little cafes and things. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I, I just I, I struggle to see how having ten day, seven days as opposed to 10 will make the difference. Given that these businesses have been through two lockdowns already and mm-hmm. very restricted trading the rest of the time, everyone mm-hmm. is on the bones of their backside um it just yeah just strikes me that perhaps that's not going to make too much of a difference but i also get and and the thing that confuses me is that uh, as you say three days it might knock you around for a bit but how long are you infectious for
1: yes yeah well there is actually also anecdotal evidence that if you are triple dose so if you've had your booster there's a lot of people out there that um their children are catching covid testing positive and then the parents are not feeling the greatest and have the symptoms but are testing themselves and it keeps coming back negative. And Susie Wiles put out a really good article on RNZ or One News the other day stating that is because your booster means that you are not contagious. Yeah. Now, that is not for everyone, and so I'm not a scientist, but that is interesting. So if you are triple dose, you may still catch it and have a very mild case of it, but hopefully you're not contagious. So there's all of those sorts of things, and it's an ongoing
0: yeah, I remember so that there was, um, there was uh, discussion around whether it actually made you less infectious or not, and Ashley Bloomfield mm. made the point that, yes, it does, because your symptoms are less severe, therefore you're not coughing and spluttering and sneezing all over everyone all the time, mm-hmm. so it's mm-hmm, not getting yeah. transferred through the air. Um, very mm-hmm. good. Um, now, this, this, this next thing is a, is a little out of date. It's been a few weeks uh, since you were quoted in the paper, but um, if I look out the front door of Manowichu People's Radio, I can see. Uh, The new, I think possibly the newest restaurant in town, uh, Provenance, um, spent a lot of time decorating the outside of that building, but it's certainly worth it. Uh, For people that don't know, it's where Portofino was, but Portofino is now where the China Inn was. Uh, Everyone's (laughs) shuffling along Broadway. And whilst this is not directly related, obviously, to Fielding and District Promotion, this is a a restaurant in Palmerston North, their mission is very uh, Fielding and District uh, related because they are sourcing mm. everything they possibly can locally.
1: Mm, absolutely. So I was made aware of the restaurant um, through Sinead Gill, who was our staff reporter here locally um, through the Ring of Herald. Unfortunately, we've lost here to South Island. Yes, but, can we just take um, a moment
0: to mourn the loss of Sinead Gill? I know, mourn
1: the loss, fantastic woman. Um, and, and she wanted to get a bit of perspective around the importance um, from our perspective of FCP, of, of supporting local and local produce, and um, lowering our carbon footprint and our food miles and all the rest of it. And so, the premise behind um, the strong room, uh, sorry, the behind provenance <laughs> and actually a lot of our actually a lot of our local um, um restaurants is that they want to make sure that um, the food that they're putting on people's tables is as local as possible. And provenance is all local, which is super fantastic. That is something that um, should be celebrated and shouted from the rooftops. And Mm. if more and more of us can think in this way, um, and it really links back to we as FTP run the Fielding Farmer's Market every Friday. So obviously there's a um, a link to those local growers, knowing where your food comes from. Um, A lot of people, especially when you go to a big supermarket chain, it might in very small letters somewhere tell you where the food is from but you don't know any kind of the story behind where it's from or anything about the growers or the producers of the food. And so places like Providence and farmer's markets and those sorts of places where you can actually connect to the story of where your food is coming from. It's difficult.
0: Yeah and uh, from what I remember of the article it's literally like the 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 wine selection is about the only thing that isn't local uh, everything mm. else is is sourced locally um it, it, is this going to be one of those things though um where you start off with the best intentions but maybe it becomes unsustainable um you know you, you start with these great ideas but you know People will go to a restaurant and enjoy it the first time, but maybe think, oh, well, that was, you know, that's just for special occasions. We can't go there very often, uh, maybe too pricey because of this effort that goes into local. Will people sacrifice quality um, for price?
1: That's always always the hardest part of opening a hospitality venue of any kind is um, getting that balance right, I think. Now, nowadays, people are much more mindful of sustainability and much more mindful of um, supporting their local uh, industry and businesses. And so I think if Providence can hold on to that core message and make sure that they keep that vision in and forefront of everyone's mind, that should play really well into the future. Um, The thing with, with any kind of business is that you need to know what your point of difference is. And you need to sell that, because that is what gets people through the door. There's lots of restaurants around, and we're so spoiled in the wider Manawatu region to have so, such an incredible array of different types of food. But there are a lot that are kind of the same. And you do notice the ones that have something that is different are really popular. You know, they are the ones that people go back to time and time again, um, because they'll have some kind of something, you know? If they've got really great cocktails or they have something that's really true to um, a vision, then, I mean, that's what makes a, re- a really good business great.
0: Mm. And the other thing with provenance and with all the, the produce being local, you can expect a seasonal menu as well, which will make yes. going back even more interesting.
1: Indeed, indeed. You'll get a different taste on your plate every time.
0: We are here with Wendy Carr from Fielding and District Promotion, finding out what's happening in the area. Um, obviously, we've just talked about the uh, reduced days in isolation if you're a positive case and the effect of that on Fielding and District businesses. Also, uh, the new restaurant Provenance in Palmerston North, uh, with well, I'd say 99.9% uh, local produce on the plates. Um, turning to matters related to Manawatu District Council, they had a, uh, a meeting not. So so long ago, Wendy, where they addressed the public places by law. Uh, we spoke to Mayor Helen Warboys about this last Thursday, um, but it, 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 it turns out that this is something that the police asked uh, MDC to mm-hmm. do because they felt a little powerless in dealing with some rogue behaviour in certain areas.
1: Mm-hmm. So this is um, unfortunately the sign of our times, and it's actually, we all know that this is happening in Palmerston North as well where there's been lots of media coverage about um, undesirable um, behaviour from people. Um, And in Fielding, we have had an issue with alcohol in public places. So um, for us at FGP, our offices are located at the Fielding train station and um, to my um, shock, we are not actually part of the... the, um, um, alcohol ban area at the train station. It, it ends it currently. It ends at the corner where the where the police station is. Um, and How so convenient! We, um, I know, and we've had um, quite a few instances over the last few years where um, people have decided that they want to have a little bit of a party at the back of our office and have some drinks. And hey, if they're being behaving themselves and being you know polite and not too rowdy, that's all well and good. However. Sometimes they're not. And, um, and I have had, we've had the police involved a few times and, and they have been, they've moved, usually moved them along fine, but we have had the sticking point of actually they can't legally move them unless they're doing something really atrocious. And um, from a safety point of view, uh, when there's only a couple of us in the office and we are all women, it can be quite intimidating to have that kind of behaviour around. So it's not just with us. And also train station, there's, there's a train track. From a safety point of view, it's been quite um, quite bizarre to allow people to uh, consume alcohol right next to a train track. Um, so there's that, but there's also the the, fieldings, the new skate park, Mangakino Skate Park next to, um, to Makino Pool, and some of the other parks around the place. So from, from our young people's point of view, we want places to be safe and inviting families. Um, and there's places and spaces where you can drink. You can drink at home, you can drink at the pub, there are other places you can consume alcohol. Um, so, so I think it does give the police a bit more power.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, what, 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 what has – what has I probably should have asked Helen this in more detail, but what precisely has changed and what will the police be able to do now? Because, as you say, mm. um, the, the train station isn't in an alcohol ban area, so people can mm. theoretically, uh, legally sit behind there and drink mm. and maybe even be a, a bit rowdy. What can the police mm. do now that they couldn't do before?
1: So they can move them along. They can actually, if um, they have the power now to um, ask them to leave and if anything it goes down, obviously specifically remove them. Because at the moment, um, sometimes when the police would come by and people, uh, you know, ask people to move along, they would they would do so. But there are a few interesting characters out there that know where those Likadan areas are. And uh, they say, I'm not breaking any law here. I'm allowed to be here. So it actually is, just really that messaging, and particularly around our are uh, our, our um, recreational parks, so the Porpoise Park and Timona Park, you know, those are places where families go and have picnics and stuff. So um, having people there consuming alcohol and um, what that sometimes leads to is is not really desirable. So it just gives the police the authority to now. You know, you're not actually allowed to drink here. Mm-hmm. Um, move it elsewhere. Well, hopefully, it doesn't just move it down the street further but
0: No. Uh, Now, in the past couple of interviews that we've had with you, Wendy, uh, most of the time we are lamenting the cancellation of events left, right and centre. But some things have still managed to go ahead in different ways, uh, and Mm -hmm. particularly in the arts community. Um, The Fielding Street Art Festival was going to be a big all-day event. Sadly, that has... Uh, well it, it it's not happening now, um but there are elements of it that are still going ahead so that we can have mm. some street art in fielding
1: yeah indeed so last week um on Thursday, t uh, v threes a m show and william Wairua, who's the fielding lo- local came back to his hometown to um to do a bit of a um, shout out to uh, to our fielding um friendly fielding um Uh, place, and he came and saw Joe McMenamin. So if anyone doesn't know Joe, go and check out his studio on 13th Street. He's an amazing artist. Surely everyone knows Joe McMenamin. I would think so. Come on, guys. If you don't, then you've been living under a rock. But Joe's amazing, and he does this beautiful artwork, and he has done countless murals around our town and all over the country. And he is the lead um, on the Manawatu Street Art Festival, which is in building. So yeah, as you were saying, we were supposed to have this great big um, festival where we've got a whole lot of murals going up on town and at the end of it all, we were going to have this great um, concert where NPR were going to come and we were going to have music and all sorts of things. Unfortunately, because of COVID, we can't do that. But the, um, the festival is still going ahead with the murals. So Joe took Willie to go and have a look at the, check out the murals that are being, have been started. So the first ones that have been started in building are down Ear Street, at the back of Trickle Bank Plumbing. So there's a big public car park in there. It's also sort of the back of Murray's Irish Bar. Mm-hmm. Um, huge, big, really, really cool murals. So we've got um, a tribute to Fort Rock Flat. So hey. um, Murray Ball. Yeah, Murray Ball, that um, was the cartoonist that created Fort Rock Flats, actually was from Fielding, um, which most, some people know, but not everyone knows. We're really proud of that because um, if you grew up in New Zealand in the 80s and 90s, or 70s, 80s and 90s, everybody knew who, what, what that was. It. Those um, iconic cartoons that were in newspapers, and everybody bought their dad for Father's Day, the latest comic book, and it was just an icon. And then, of course, the movie, um, yes. Dog's Tale, was huge. That's one of the murals, and it's huge, and it's fantastic. And that's on the side of the Trickle Bank building. And then around the back of it, there's three other murals all in the line with um, different amazing beautiful um, um, images so it's so cool that we can still have that happening, unfortunately we can't do the festival at the end of it but we still are having the murals being painted to beautify our little
0: town So whilst Joe McManaman is the mural man, uh, I'm assuming mm-hmm. he's not doing all of these on his own
1: No, so he's not doing any of them he is just the project lead on this um, on this project um, the council um, himself and us and Square Edge and um, the Fielding and District Art Society all came together with a working group to try and come up with some ideas around this. It was quite a few months ago. Um, and he, he said, I've done enough murals around Fielding. It's time for someone else to do some. So um, he's got such a big heart, and he is really just supporting those artists to um, create some amazing,
0: amazing work. Is he going to be happy with this, or is he, does he just look around and see large flat surfaces and go, you know what would be good there?
1: Um, So this is the phase one of the project um, and this is going to roll out all over town for quite some time. So um, we were lucky enough to get um, some Creative New Zealand funding to do these um, murals Um, and with support from Council and our local business community um, we've been able to do this. So it's an ongoing project to beautify town and to get art all through our town in all different facets and not necessarily just murals um, but that's stage one. So... um, Yep, he'll, he'll always be there pushing the pushing the limits a little bit to try and get people to look outside the box and see what we can do.
0: And what about areas outside of Fielding? Are there any plans to go into any area, any other areas of the district?
1: Yeah, there will be later down the track. So this is the first, the first step was to do these key ones. So there's also a couple of others that are going to be going up around town. Um, on Bowen Street beside Courtesy Ford, there's a, um, um, a block of flats. There's a big mural going to be going on that big blank wall there and then um, down beside uh, Nest Architecture on the back of the Denby Hotel, there's going to be some coming down there and it's going to spread around and then you yes, definitely out into the district as well, so um, you kind of have to do it in phases because it can't do everything all at once, but this is it's really cool, very cool.
0: Um, what else is going on in the arts world at the moment in Fielding?
1: So if you have not been to the Fielding and District Art Society um, Gallery, you definitely need to get along there because Karis, the manager who's been there for, oh, I don't know, six months, nine months now, um, is doing some amazing work and has got some really different innovative things going on. So there's a new um, exhibit that starts tomorrow, um, the 15th of March, where it's called Take a Line for a Walk. So there's going to be um, six blank canvases hung in the walls of the Fielding Arts Centre and from, from that date until April 19th and um, the public are invited to help transform them into beautiful pieces of art. So um, how it works is that you go in between 10 and 2, between those dates, and the facilitator will help you. They'll You'll pick out a piece of pastel and you'll start just drawing on those um, pieces of canvas and at the end of it, something amazing will, will, be, will be there. So that's pretty cool. So uh, sorry, that's, that even, that's
0: take a line for a walk. Yeah. So you yeah. so is it, are, are we encouraging people to, to doodle or are we looking for artists to contribute to it?
1: No, so it's anyone. It can be a curly, thin line, zigzag. It can be up to you, anything that you want to do. Um, and then at the end of that, um, they'll be up there for everybody to enjoy so it really is it can be doodles it can be zigzags and lines it can be one line just added to the picture (laughs) it'll be really interesting to see depends on how artistic you are my dad always says everybody can draw so this is actually taking it to that everybody can create art
0: yeah well i mean that's the thing isn't it once they're up on display you can say i contributed to that that would not be the same if i hadn't done my little thing in that bottom corner (laughs) indeed
1: um, At the um, art Society, they've also got um, Robin Parkinson, who is um, a beautiful artist who does um, carving, is um, exhibiting the art of spoon carving. So that starts on Wednesday, the 16th of March. Um, That topic sounds boring, but it's not. (laughs) So uh, if you go to our website, fielding.co.nz, and go to our What's On page, there is um, an event event. icon with with some of her work is beautiful. Um and she's also going to be in the um Arts, uh, arts Center on the sixteenth of March for people to come and meet her. Um and that's always cool.
0: It's always cool to actually yeah. meet the person that's done the thing you're
1: yeah. looking at. So you can meet her and ask questions and she'll t- um tell stories about how she creates her beautiful pieces of art. So
0: marvellous so there is stuff still going on in fielding and people should come in they should come and participate in these things and maybe grab a coffee or something at a local cafe as well
1: absolutely yes and please do and please be kind to our hospitality um, workers it's a stressful time at the moment and um and it it has been really really tough and unfortunately there are some people who obviously are frustrated themselves and are taking it out on our on our hospitality workers so um smile behind your mask, be kind, and please do support our local businesses.
0: Mm. Uh, it's very sad to hear that, that mm. if people that are obviously not in any position of authority to to make the situation any different. It's it's COVID, there mm. are laws, <laughs> you just have to abide by them. Why take it out on them? Same with supermarket workers. Mm. I don't understand mm. it at all. Uh, I got a little frustrated uh, a couple of days ago because I'm used to shopping in the new world in well, one of the new worlds in Palmerston North where you can take your bags in and I went into the fielding one and their rules are obviously different so I had taken my bags in and I was I was chastised for taking my bags in but you've just got to take a deep breath and go well fine I'll take the bags back and do it a different way so just every, everyone just chill out. Um, we've got a couple of minutes left. Um, we were talking about this off. If people aren't aware, Wendy is as close to our rugby correspondent as we could find. Uh, <laughs> you come from a very strong, uh, strongly uh, rugby fanatic family. Um, and I was telling you about Raymond Tuputupu, which I felt so informed because you hadn't caught up on this story yet. But the, the young yeah. young lad that plays for Freiburg got the call up for the Hurricanes because all of their hoops. Got sick, um, but you were saying that whilst you hadn't heard this story, it, club rugby itself in New Zealand not doing so well.
1: Mm. So speaking of front rowers, fielding um, yellows, who my husband has played for for uh, twenty some, somewhat something years, long time, are um, uh, struggling for front rowers at the moment, and unfortunately our our neighbours across the paddock, fielding old boys Ora. Um, are unable to field a senior 18 a this year. So that is the first time ever that they've not been able to, to field a, a senior 18. A and so that means Manawatu Rugby this year, club rugby, will only have seven teams in the top division, which is a real sad state of play. We had a few years ago, um, prior to COVID, Linton Army pulled their senior 18 out halfway through the season because they just couldn't get enough players. And over the years, I was counting back. So when my husband started playing senior rugby in 99, um, there were 12 or 13 clubs that had senior A teams. So over the years, some of them have amalgamated, some have dropped off, some have moved to other competitions, but most of it is because people, they just can't get the players anymore. So there seems to have been a seismic shift in um, when people leave school, men and women, when young men and women leave school, that they are not playing sport anymore. Um, some of that has to do with obviously people now work different hours. Some people, have to, you know, may need to work on Saturdays or work late nights and stuff. But it is a little bit sad that um, that uh, Hobo can't field a, a senior eighteen this year. I hope that that's just a one-year blip and we can get them back on track next year.
0: Does that have any implications on New Zealand's prowess at the the pinnacle of the game? I mean, the senior teams obviously maybe not so much, but with with like the high school teams and everything else, and even when leaving school, that's that's when future All Blacks are are discovered, isn't it?
1: Mm, mm, absolutely. So, Fielding High School, oh, and Boys High, Boys High, but particularly Fielding High School, have like an amazing rugby program, and they have kids from all over the country because we've also got a boarding school attached to the school. Um, We have kids from all over the country that come to to Fielding High School to play for our rugby team, both girls and boys' teams. Um, My son plays rugby at high school as well, and it's um, one of those institutionalised things. But over the whole of New Zealand now, um, rugby has actually slipped to being the third most played sport um, at high school. Can you guess what the number one played sport at high school is?
0: Football.
1: No, it's no. netball.
0: Net, well, so netball that's not the, bad.
1: Yeah, so netball is the most played sport at high school level, and now basketball has actually overtaken rugby. So, which is interesting. So and basketball's so- cool. I, I played basketball as a kid, But um,
0: hmm. oh, so soccer's not in the top three then.
1: Soccer's not in the top three. It may be four, fourth or fifth.
0: Oh, that's yep. all right. Oh no, I'm I'm okay with that. That's fine. <laughs> as long as rugby is still more popular than football, I'll, I'll be I'll be quite happy. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so they're I mean, definitely changing. Yeah, I mean, the, the, so, so netball and basketball. What is the appeal? Because obviously rugby's got the 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 perception of being certainly one of the more dangerous sports that you can participate ball sports that you can participate in. But um, what's what what's the appeal of, of netball and basketball?
1: Netball has always been number one in New Zealand for I don't even know even when I was in high school um, because. Unfortunately for us girls, um, when we were young, it's, it's definitely changing now. You know, you now see women playing all sports, which is fantastic. But My generation, girls played netball or hockey, and that was literally it. Mm. And so there's this, ge- um, you know, generational um, imprinting on our children that we you do what you play the sport that I played, and so a lot of it is that. But also, netball is a cool sport. Like it's fast paced, and, um, and the silver they are awesome. And so there's a lot of that kind of stuff. It's accessible. It's really easy um, to, to play, you know, to be able to play. You don't need all the kit and everything. You just need some shoes um, and a and ball. And um, So it's, it's always been one of those those sports. Basketball's an interesting one because it slowly crept up in popularity over the years. I remember when I was at primary school, it only had really sort of just started to filter into school. Um, and that was in the Two Jets had really sort of taken off um, but it's taken a long time, and some of it is um, people are hesitant, as you were saying. Rugby is really, really physical, and some parents maybe want to rip their little kids in cotton wool a little bit, and so they push them into other sports. But some of it is just the um, the perception of different sports as well. You know, the NBA is all over the internet yes. and all over, and, people, and and it's cool. And, and basketball is such a cool sport to watch. Like, it really is. Rugby can be really cool to watch, but it can also be really boring. <laughs> you know, like if you have a game, especially, you know, final footy where it's all just penalties and kicking the ball back and forth, it's like watching tennis. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but basketball's full on fast. Action packed, and the personalities that play it as well, and look, people like Stephen Adams. Well, I was going to, I was going to wrap up basketball. there by
0: saying thank you, Stephen Adams, for uh, for for, for the popularity Indeed. of uh, basketball. <laughs> we are completely out of time on the catch up this morning, Wendy. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Wendy Carr there from Fielding and District Promotion uh, for our Monday morning catch-up. Tune in tomorrow at half past eight. We'll have Richard Shaw from Massey University talking about his new book. Uh, On Wednesday, Jimmy Ellingham from RNZ. On Thursday, hopefully, Councillor Rachel Bowen from Palmerston North City Council. And on Friday, Ian McKelvey, MP for Rangitiki. Half past eight every morning. Do join us. Bye for now.